Friends, I think it is just such a gift to be together on this New Year's Day, New Year's morning, to begin our year together in the sanctuary, to be together and begin our year with praise. I love this hymn, pure, unadulterated praise and an invitation to praise. These words, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, are all really alleluia. Can we say together, friends, alleluia, shout alleluia. And now turn to your neighbor and say, Alleluia, and say it back. It is an invitation, not just reminding yourself to praise, but inviting one another into the act of praise. So you'll notice the psalmist isn't praising God alone, but saying, Praise God in the heavens, praise God's sun and moon and stars. Praise the Lord's sea monsters in the deeps. Praise the Lord all creeping things and flying birds. Kings and peoples, princes and rulers, young men and women, old and young, together shall we say together, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Alleluia. It feels good to praise the Lord, and this is the way we want to begin our year together, in praise, to be a grateful, joyful people who know that this is, as the Catechism tells us, What we are called to do, God invites us to praise the Lord together. This is what God wants of us and all of creation. And when we join creation in praising God together, we know we are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. This cosmic song of joy and love and praise. So New Year's isn't really a religious holiday. Our lectionary has us on the first Sunday after Christmas. And we continue the Christmas story with remembering the wise ones who followed the star. And we will read soon the continuation of the nativity story with, as Matthew tells it, with the flight into Egypt. But it also has such a spiritual significance for us, this marking of another year and the marking of where God is at work in our lives as we begin a new year together. So the new year in the church calendar really begins on the first Sunday in Advent, so you'll see we're already quite a few weeks in. And the practice of setting something like a New Year's resolution in the Christian calendar would really fall probably more like on Ash Wednesday, when we set an intention for the time ahead, when we might repent of old ways and think about changing our ways and taking something on or giving something up, but also culturally as a people, this is a perfect time to do that as well. So what shall we celebrate? Are we still celebrating Christmas? Are we preparing for Epiphany? Is it the new year? I think it is all of these things. Henry Nouwen Society shared a quote from Henry Nouwen's book, Can You Drink This Cup? And wrote, a life that is not reflected upon isn't worth living. It belongs to the essence of being human that we contemplate our life, think about it, discuss it, evaluate it, and form opinions about it. Half of living is reflecting on what is being lived. Is it worth it? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it old? Is it new? And what is it all about? Reflection is essential for growth, development, and change. It is the unique power 
of the human person. So here, as we begin a new year, this is what we do. We pause, we reflect, we question how we've been living, we think about how we might want to live differently. I'm not personally a big fan of New Year's resolutions, are you? I think studies show they last only a few weeks. And I think when we set them, we don't always dream big enough. Go to the gym. I mean, eat better. They're always just sort of, I don't know. They always fall a little flat. We don't dream God's dream for our lives when we set a New Year's resolution. And they seem, based on all of the New Year's resolutions we've set in the past and our failure rate, they always feel a little self-defeating right from the outset. Are we really going to start a new habit? Are we really going to break an old one? So a friend of mine shared something I thought was really brilliant. She shared yesterday her New Year's resolutions for 2022, and instead of looking ahead, she celebrated what she had accomplished the year before. So that was a perfect success rate. She had done these wonderful things that she might not have thought she could do. Of course, they're very specific and unique. So first, I want to invite you to pause and think, what do you celebrate right now that you did accomplish in the last year? And not something vague, something that you did. Something you're proud of, something that you accomplished. Rejoice in what you have done. Thank God for God's help and how you did it. And instead of, of setting a New Year's resolution for the coming year, let's instead set an intention, hopefully with the help of your star word. So it's a way of being, not a commitment to doing something. So perhaps instead, if, it, if for example, your New Year's resolution was going to be the basic, go to the gym, if your star word is something like together, maybe perhaps what you could reframe it as is invite your neighbor to go walk with you once a week, something like that. And I'll invite you to pause for a moment and think of an intention, a way of being in the world a way of being in relationship with yourself, with your neighbor, and with God, and allow your star word. Oh, you don't have them. Can we pass the star word baskets again for folks who don't have them yet? Louisa, do you mind bringing the basket to our friends? Thank you. Allow your star word to set your intention for the year. So it's not a resolution to do something. It's a desire it's a statement of a desire to be a certain way in the world. Could you be more peaceful? Could you be more forgiving? Could you be more patient? Could you be more loving? Another classic New Year's resolution might be to travel more. But if you receive a word like contentment, or presence. It might help you remember to find the peace of feeling fulfilled no matter where you are. 
that it might not be about a journey, it might be about the joy of coming into the present moment, the joy of being present at home between journeys. If your New Year's resolution is perhaps to eat more healthfully, but your word is something like gratitude or harvest or abundance, could that help you reframe and help you look differently at the gifts that you have in your lives and celebrate the abundance, celebrate a grateful heart of all that you have? So as faithful people, we remember sometimes that Jesus is always with us, but it takes work, intentional, patient, creative work to open our eyes and see how God in Jesus is working alongside us. When we come to the table, which we will do in a moment, we always share the story of the road to Emmaus. We remember that two of the disciples do not recognize the risen Christ, even though he's walking alongside them explaining the scriptures to them. It's not until they come around the table and he takes the bread and blesses it and breaks it and gives it to them, then their eyes are opened and they recognize the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread. So a life of faith is recognizing where Jesus is in your life. This is that importance of pausing to reflect. And you will see, of course, that God is with you. And now I'll read our gospel lesson from this morning, from the Gospel of Matthew in the second chapter. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up. He took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated and sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they were no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing and the understanding of God's holy word. This is, of course, a very hard passage. A reminder that 
especially in this Christmas story, all is not quite right in the world, that Jesus has come, Emmanuel, God with us, and yet human beings still have the power to hurt and destroy one another. Tyrants can still inflict the worst pain and harm and oppression on people. That there are people trying to just care for their families and live their lives who feel like they are always living under threat and violence. To remember that while we sit safely here in this place, that there are families who are displaced and dispossessed, fathers who have that premonition that they must gather their family and flee. We remember that the story of Joseph is still very much the story of so many around the world and that these mothers who weep over their lost children, those mothers are all around. And so we lift up to God that all is not rosy and right with the world, that there are places of need and hurt, places that we can hardly comprehend for their agony. And when we do look for where God is working in the world, sometimes it's impossible to see. How could God have been working in this story when one baby was saved and so many were not? And yet we do continue as faithful people not to give up hope in the story, not not to say that because human beings can hurt one another that God is not still present with us. And so we do take the story and we do look for what it is that this gospel writer Matthew is sharing with us, which is that God is working through the story. And that in the life of Joseph, who also, like his namesake in the Bible, Joseph of the Old Testament, he was a dreamer, that God communicated with him three different times in dreams. And we remember that Jesus is a new Moses figure, that this is fulfilling the scripture, fulfilling what the prophets have said, but also what that really means for us is that this is painting a picture, drawing a thread for us of how Jesus has come to liberate the people, that Jesus is a new Moses who will lead the people from slavery to freedom, that Jesus will work for liberation for people. So how can we pay attention to God in these times? How can we look for where God is working in our lives? How can we wrestle with these very hard realities and still hold out hope and faith that there is something that God is still calling us into? Because God did have a role for Joseph. God did see how Joseph and his gifts and skills could be what protected and saved the Christ child and brought him safely into Egypt and safely back out again. That God is always calling on us to work in our own living to transform the areas, the spaces, the lives that we can, those that are close to us. A friend of mine shared this quote from Marilyn Robinson's Gilead, which is a favorite book of mine. She she reminded me that, that Marilyn Robinson had written, It seems to me that sometimes it is as though the Lord breathes on this poor gray ember of creation and turns to radiance for a moment or a year or the span of a life, and then it sinks back into itself. And to look at it, no one would know it had anything to do with fire or light. 
Wherever you turn your eyes, the world can shine like transfiguration. You don't have to bring a thing to it except a little willingness to see. Only who could have the courage to see it? And she wrote that these star words are simply an invitation to pay attention to God, that the scriptures show us how to do that, how to look for the ways God is working in our lives. Friends, let us pray. Star-flinging God, your light dances across eternity. Dazzle us into your presence this new year. Open our hearts to the mystery of your love. Awaken us to your presence, knit to the ordinary. Reveal to us what is possible but not yet present. Heal us that we might be healers. Reconcile us to you and to ourselves so that our living might be reconciling. Stop us often, we pray, with news that is good, with hope that holds, with a truth that transforms with a word. May the word of your grace guide our steps like the sun by day and the north star by night as we travel into the gift of a new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.